Begin reading at verse 30 of chapter 5, and then read through chapter 6. Ephesians 5, starting at verse 30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Finally, brethren, Be strong in the Lord, and then the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but that ye also may know my affairs and how I do, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye might know our affairs, and that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. So far we read. From the Holy Scriptures this morning, 
And the text we consider is that exhortation to be strong in the Lord in verse 10 through 12. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Dearly beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, we have a battle that we're engaged in. It's a struggle for us to do what God calls us to do. The passage that we read, that we have here, the text we consider this morning, is related to the number of exhortations that preceded it. There's a variety, there's a number of different exhortations in the second portion, especially in the second half of the book of Ephesians. In the very beginning of chapter 5, we're exhorted to be followers of God or imitators of God as dear children and to walk in love. To love one another, to show our love for God, loving one another. It speaks against fornication, speaks against covetousness, and then there's a section on the calling of the husbands and wives to love one another. Husbands are to love their wives and not to be bitter against them. Wives are to show reverence to their husbands. Children are to obey their parents. For this is right, to honor their father and mother. Parents are not to provoke, specifically the fathers told not to provoke their children. Servants are to be obedient to their masters. And we apply that to employees being obedient to their employers in singleness of heart, as unto Christ. To do what God calls us to do in our dealings with one another. We struggle to do that as we ought. And we're constantly assaulted by spiritual foes to get us to do the opposite of what, to try to get us to do the opposite of what God would have us do. And at the end of this section, after all these exhortations, we have this exhortation, finally, my brethren, calling us brethren, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, and then brings out that we are fighting against Satan, we are fighting against many spiritual enemies that we cannot see, who come against us and would have us do the opposite of what our Lord has called us to do. And that we are to see our need for his strength. As we consider this passage, and before we get into some of the details of this passage, and looking at it from as a whole and seeing, you know, why, did, why is there this exhortation here? What does this say to us that God tells us, be strong in the Lord, and then brings out the fact that we wrestle against principalities and powers, 
rulers of the darkness of this world, what is stress to us? There's a tendency for us to underestimate the battle we're engaged in. There's a tendency for you, for me, to think that the battle, well, we know there's enemies coming against us. We know we're fighting against a spiritual spiritual foes. But to underestimate the difficulty. And we don't consider our sins to the degree that we are. It's easy for us to think that we're doing fairly well in the battle. It's easy to look at what God calls us to do relatively superficially and to think I'm there's things that I know we're not supposed to do and I'm not doing those. Other people are doing those, but I'm not doing those. And there are things we're called to do and I'm doing those. To think I'm doing, I'm not perfect, but I'm, I'm doing fairly well. When we go through the commandments like we do in the Heidelberg and talk about what is actually required and what is forbidden, and as we take a closer look at our own sins, our own sinful thoughts, we grow to see more how great our sins and miseries actually are and what a struggle it is for us when we speak about others, to always speak words that are to the glory of God, promote the honor and good character of our neighbor, that we're always doing that in our very thoughts and in our words, the way that we treat one another. We see our children, how they struggle to treat one another. Well, when they're both in agreement and doing something fun together, things may be seen to be going well. But as soon as there's any kind of a conflict at all, they both want something, or they have different ideas of what they want to do, then very quickly they're fighting. And we're constantly going to them and talking to them and realizing that's the way we are, too, as adults, in our dealings with one another. And we can be very polite with one another when we are talking to one another and then we can be walking away and having negative thoughts about this person or that person. It is a struggle. It's a battle and there are many enemies that are trying to get us to do the opposite of what our God tells us to do. We need strength from God. And one way we can see how we tend to underestimate it is if the question is asked, how often and how fervently do you go to God for strength in this battle? And as I ask myself that question, on the one hand we can say, well, I do. And you'll say, well, I do go to God for strength. And we do. But we look at it from the viewpoint of how often and how fervently, how conscious are we when we're praying those words? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. How fervently do we pray that? Conscious of the fact that we're not going to stand a moment. We're so weak in ourselves, as Lord's Day 52 says. We're so weak in ourselves, we would not stand a moment. And we ask God to strengthen us. Be strong in the Lord, my brother. That's what this passage calls, exhorts us. And we look at this passage under that theme. Exhorted to be strong in the Lord. We consider first of all the warfare, secondly the strength, and then thirdly the, the promise. It's commonly understood that the reference here to these principalities and powers is to demons. The word that's translated principality is a word that sometimes is translated beginning or somebody in the first place. 
somebody who's in a position of, of leadership, first ones, and then the word translated powers is a word that has that idea of authority. So first ones, authorities. And it speaks of demons and demons uh, who are coming against us, spiritual wickedness in high places, who are malicious. And that there are many of them. And that we cannot see them, but we know there are these foes, as God tells us. And we cannot fight them physically. We have a tendency to look at our things that we can see with our eyes. We have a multitude of enemies we cannot see and that you cannot fight with physical weapons. Now, when we say our enemies threefold, someone might say, well, that does include human beings. You say the devil and the demons, this the, the wicked world, and our own sinful flesh are threefold enemies, so that we do have unbelieving persons who come against us, and that they are part of that threefold enemy. And that's true, yet we don't fight them physically. It's not in a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle that we're engaged in. And that they are trying to get us to do the opposite of what our Lord tells us. Even as it was in the Garden of Eden. God tells Adam what he's not to do. And then there's an enemy that tries to get him to do exactly the opposite of what God told him to do. And there are many that come after us. And they use their words to try to get us to go the wrong way. And their words are, are as arrows that are shot against us. We sing a lot about this in the Psalms. That's one thing about the singing of the Psalms, is that when you sing the Psalms, so often very conscious of the fact that what we're singing about is this great spiritual battle that we're engaged in. And that there are these enemies that are constantly assaulting us. We sing that about that very frequently in the song. We say about our foes that they wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words, that they may shoot in secret at the perfect. Suddenly do they shoot at him and fear not. They encourage themselves in an evil matter. They commune of laying snares privily. They say, who shall see them? That's from Psalm 64. The examples would be, would be many of those kind of references in the Psalms. Our enemies tempt us to try to get us to fear, to doubt, to do what they tell us to do. Sometimes they'll use mockery if we don't do what they say. They come at us sometimes fiercely with various arguments trying to direct us in the wrong direction. We have temptations of different sorts. There's not only the world that is constantly trying to get us to have thought thoughts of fornication which is just perpetual in our today to try to promote the thinking of being engaged in sexual relationships outside of marriage and also today much talk about homosexual kind of relationships 
There's so much enticing that goes on. These things are very prevalent in our own day. There are also those that would try to lead us astray from an ecclesiastical point of view. And would try to get us to go in the wrong direction from what God has told us in his word. And there are those that will make false accusations against us. And speak evil of us if we don't go in the direction that they tell us to go. That we're being unfaithful. That we're not following what God says. That we're not showing a zeal for the truth. That we're not holding to an unconditional salvation and so on. There are those that would make accusations against us. Try to persuade us that we should listen to them. We live in a time where there's a lot of blatant violation of the fifth commandment. The speaking against those in positions of authority. Not honoring them. Blatantly in the home. Children being... Uh, tempted to speak disrespectfully towards their parents. That's often heard. Very disrespectful comments made from children towards their parents. It's very characteristic of the world to do the opposite of what Ephesians was, what we're exhorted to do in the book of Ephesians as well as elsewhere. To violate the sixth commandment and to be angry and to bear a grudge against someone. We so easily think that we've got a reason for bearing a grudge because somebody said something to us that they shouldn't have said. Somebody did something to us that they shouldn't have done. We know what the Bible says is the right way to deal with when we, when we, with sin, when we've been sinned against. We know what we're not supposed to do, but we're tempted to do exactly what we're told not to do. Where instead of going to the person, we talk to other people about what this person did. We talk to this person, we talk to that person. We interpret things in the worst possible way. And we're upset about something, so we look for opportunities to talk to other people about the person that we're upset about. And we have different negative thoughts about them in our own, in our thinking. And when we, and we treat them badly when we see them. And it's easy to make light of it as being really a small thing because they did something, they said something they shouldn't have said or did. When if somebody was to say to us, well, if somebody has sinned against you, what are you supposed to do? And what are you not supposed to do? Well, we do know the answer. Many enemies... Trying to get us to be slothful. From a spiritual point of view, where we know that we're to be studying the Word. We know we're to be praying. But we struggle to do that as we are. How often do you study the Word yourself? Actually studying it. How often do you read it? But then also, how often do you study it? How quickly are you ready to be done and then to turn to something else? It's so easy for us to turn away from the word of God and to have our mind then on other things. Or in praying, we start to pray and how quickly we're ready to to stop. And how often we don't really even have our mind all too much On what we are seeing. All these things. All of this serves to bring out. The the nature of the battle. The warfare. That we're really engaged in. And these spiritual enemies come against us. They come against. Christians. Now when we talk about demons. Sometimes people wonder. Now what about us though. Because we're Christians. Demons coming against us? Well, they are coming against us. 
How are we to understand that? Well, the new man, in the new man, we are righteous and holy. Bear the image of God. The scriptures, we say, we delight in the law of God according to the, after the inward man. When you speak of us from the viewpoint of the new man, we have the law of God written in our heart. We love to do what, we desire to do what God says. We love the Lord. But we have a small beginning of the new obedience. We also have a sinful nature, an old man that is depraved, that desires to do what the devil says. These foes are said to be the rulers of the darkness. Spirit, the rulers of the darkness of this world. When you talk about our old man, you're talking about darkness. And they are rulers of the darkness of this world. We're exhorted not to let sin reign. Don't let sin reign. Familiar with that? Romans 6 speaks that way. When it says, talking about the old man and the new man, it says, uh, uh, it also says in that context, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. And then it says, that's in Romans 6, verse 12. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin, because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Do not let sin reign. And we understand that in, when we have an old man and a new man, somebody who is a child of God, there's exam, many examples in Scripture of those who are children of God who for a time walked in grievous sins. God renews them to repentance, but it brings out how much we must be on our guard. We, David is referred to as a man after God's own heart, and we see the grievous sin he fell into. And there are many examples in Scripture of that, bringing out, well, we must be on our guard our whole life. With King David, as a younger man, we see him slaying Goliath. Trusting in the Lord, and he goes after the giant Goliath. Goliath, how about when he's older? When he's older, we see him falling into that grievous sin that he did. We also see his repentance. We see how God worked in him to repent with sorrow. But we refer to that from the viewpoint of how it instructs us how we must be on our guard. We have many enemies who use tricks to deceive us. The wiles of the devil. The English uh, English word wile has the, has the idea of a trick to deceive. Is a wile. Greek word there has the idea of being crafty. We read of them lying in wait to deceive. And we're told that the devil is a roaring lion, lion seeking whom he may devour. Now these things are told us that we might see our need to go to God for strength. And we see the connection between looking at the foes and the warfare and the battle that's going on and the exhortation here. That we're told about the nature of the battle and how we have these many foes trying to trick us, to deceive us, And in that context, we have this exhortation. Be strong in the Lord. 
go to the Lord for the strength that you need. Now we turn to that, that idea of the strength that we need to be able to fight. But what we're not to do is we're not to be lazy. We must be on guard against being spiritually lazy. We're not to be weary and faint in our minds, as we read in Hebrews 12. We're not to exalt ourselves and think that we have the strength of ourselves to fight against these foes. But we're to confess, as we do in Lord's Day 52, that we're so weak of our, in ourselves that we would not stand a moment. And we're to humbly come before God, seeking from God the strength that we need. Looking to him for strength. Considering the power of his might. Notice how it stresses that. What it says in the passage here. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He is the Almighty. Look to him for strength. Now that's the same idea. That's the same idea that we have in Lord's Day 52. When we explain what does it mean, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Then it talks about the fact that we're so weak of ourselves, as I've already mentioned, It speaks of the enemies that cease not to assault us, which we've already mentioned. And then it says, this is the request. Do thou therefore preserve and strengthen us, strengthen us by the power of thy Holy Spirit, that we may not be overcome in this spiritual warfare, but constantly and strenuously may resist our foes. Notice we're requesting power, but the idea is not that when he gives us power, it will be the case that the battle will be easy. We're asking for strength that we may strenuously resist these folks strenuously may we give that instruction to our young people when our young people as they grow up and as we start to talk to them more about the struggle with sin and as they're able to start talking to us about that struggle in their own life Well, when they're younger, we talk to them about what they're to do and what they're not to do, and we discipline them, and we talk to them about going to God in prayer for forgiveness and deliverance. As they get older, we have more conversations with them. They're more conscious of the fact that they have sinful desires. They're tempted to do that which God tells them not to do, and it's a struggle. They have that sinful desire again. And they say, I I pray, but I still have that sinful desire. You still will. It still will be the case that those foes are assaulting, and that you will need to strenuously resist them. But God gives the strength we need to resist them. Strengthen us by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power of God. We confess that in the Belgian Confession. He is the eternal power and might of God. And we ask God to strengthen us by the power of the Holy Spirit. That we may not be overcome, but that we may constantly and strenuously resist. That's, what, that's how we end the Lord's Prayer. We're to put on the armor of God. 
You wouldn't go out to battle without armor. Think of somebody going out into warfare and forgetting forgetting his, his armor and just like leaving it hanging on the wall. And he goes out to fight. We're to put on the whole armor of God. And that's mentioned in the verses that's following more. And that's mentioned in a number of different places. Just to mention a few things, it speaks of the sword, the word of God. And we think of how Jesus quoted scripture repeatedly when the devil was tempt when the devil was tempting Jesus, Jesus quoted scripture. He made reference to what God says, bringing out that when we're tempted, we're to say, I will not do that, for God says, and we're constantly to go back to God's word. It speaks of the shield of faith. Faith in Christ. We're to believe in Christ. Believe his words. Trust in him. Looking to him with confidence. The helmet of salvation. Or elsewhere in 1 Thessalonians 5, it speaks of the hope of salvation. We fight as those who have hope. Who know that Christ has redeemed us who know that nothing can separate us from the love of God. We fight with confidence. We fight as those who have hope, who know that we're saved in Christ. We're to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. We're to fight sin. We're to resist the devil and he will flee from us. Sometimes people, when they look at this passage, they look at it from the viewpoint of these Satans and the demons. Well, how can they get us? How do we fight these foes, these ones that we cannot see? We are to fight sin. Resist, we fight sin and Satan. We're to resist the temptation to sin. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's what we're told in James 4. That is a key point in this regard. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's James 4 verse 7. Resist him. Which is exactly what Lord's Day 52 speaks. Resisting the foes. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Submit to God. Look to God for the grace, the power you need to resist. So when one says, but it's hard to resist. Well, that is the case that we're so weak that we wouldn't stand ourselves for a moment. But look to God and pray with confidence. Meditate on his word. Go over in your mind what God says. Cling to Christ. Believe in him. Trust in him. Remember what Christ suffered for you. How important that is in the battle. To bring that to your remembrance and to mine. Didn't Christ suffer and die to save us from our sin? And then are we going to just go and do what we know our Lord has told us not to do? 
don't we want to show our thankfulness to him? He has saved us from the sin. He delivered us from bondage to sin. He set us free to serve him. And to think of the agonies into which he was plunged. And indeed, God's people have thought about that. They've had times where they've fallen into sin and it's grieved them think that Christ went through the agonies of hell. To save me from my sin. And, I'm, and I did that. And feel so ashamed. And sorry. For things they've said. Things they've done. And to go to God in sorrow and ask for forgiveness. So thankful. For the mercy that God has shown to us. The love he shows us. And remember what we vow when we make confession of faith. We vow that we'll adhere to this doctrine. Reject all heresies repugnant thereto. And to lead a new godly life. We vow that. Or if we marry, if we're married, that we vow to love one another. We're to fight looking to God for the strength that we need, believing the promise of our God. speaks of faith, speaks of hope. We're to remember we're to remember God's promises. And God says here, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand. That ye may be able to stand. Verse 11. Then verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore. You see the stress on that idea of standing. Both 11, 13, and 14. God will give strength to those coming to him asking it for it in faith. Like was mentioned, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But if you and I, in sorrow for our own sin, confessing our sin, looking to God for strength, request this, He'll grant it. He'll grant us the grace we need to resist. It's very different if somebody is praying this prayer really intending to go right back to the sin. So a person falls into fornication, for example... And ask God to forgive him. Maybe he doesn't even mention to deliver him. Just ask for God to forgive him. And really he's intending to do it again. And then maybe ask God to forgive him again. And then do it again. Such a person is walking in a sin when they're doing that. They're walking in sin. When we come to God in genuine sorrow and sincerity, when we are really sorry for our sin, and we know that we have these sinful desires, we have this evil nature, and that we can't stand, and we ask God not just to forgive us, but to deliver us. Grant me the grace 
constantly to resist foes. Really desiring that. Saying, I'm resolved never to do that again. So that one says, for example, about if one was looking at pornography, saying, I'm resolved never again, ever, ever again. Grant me the grace. Strengthen me. When one is resolved, not not to walk in that sin. When we make confession of faith, we say we are resolved. Are you resolved? That's the question. By the grace of God, to adhere to this doctrine, to reject all heresies repugnant thereto, and to lead a new godly life. Are you resolved to do that? That's the wording. And you say that with sincerity. We make confession of faith. We say yes to that. It doesn't mean it's not good that that we say that we have the strength of ourselves to do that. We say we are resolved to do that, and we look to God for the strength to do that, believing His promise that He will strengthen us. Believing also that God will preserve us, we don't think that it could be the case that we would commit some sin and perish. We know God will preserve his people. We confess the preservation of the saints or the perseverance of the saints we say that we know that somebody who is engrafted into Christ by a true faith will be preserved. Nobody loses their salvation. Our salvation is unconditional. And we confess that. And we fight in that confidence that nothing can separate us from the love of our God. We fight in that confidence, knowing that. We know that, we know also, that when we come to God in prayer, praying with confidence, that God hears us. And we're to pray not only for ourselves, but to pray for our brothers and sisters too. And that's in the context too, after it talks about the helmet and the sword and the shield, and so on. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Which is in line with the Lord's Prayer, where we say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That we pray for our children, we pray for our grandchildren, we pray for our churches, we pray for our sister churches, we pray for God's people in different nations, many of which we do not know. We know he's gathering a people from the different nations of the world. And that they with us are involved in this battle. We're to remember and to pray for all saints. Confessing God is the one that gives us the strength we need. That we're strong in the Lord. He is the one who gives us the strength. We can do all things in Christ 
who strengthens us. In Christ our Lord, may we trust in our God, may we encourage one another, may we fight the battle, resisting our foes, and may we walk with our God and in thankfulness for our salvation, may we glorify his name, praise him, and thank him. Looking forward to the day that the battle will be over. For we fight this battle with the consciousness that God has told us it's only for a time that we're involved in this warfare like this. At last, the end, when Christ returns, we'll have the complete victory. The Lord's Day 52, that last part of the answer says, till at last we obtain a complete victory. God assures us that we will obtain that complete victory. And with that consciousness, with that joy, with the joy of our salvation, we fight. May we together encourage one another and live walking with God, hoping, believing the promises of God, and may the name of our God be magnified. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, our God and our Father, we look to thee, O Lord, for the strength, for the grace that we need in the battle. We confess that it is an ongoing struggle, but thou art our strength. Thou art our salvation. Thou art the one that doth give us the strength we need. Grant us and our children and our grandchildren the strength we need constantly and strenuously to resist our foes and to live to thy honor. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.